0: Hi, I'm Jameson Newlander, Alan Frog from The Lost Boys, and you're watching the Frog
1: Brothers Podcast. What going we doing on from a spooky It's refreshment time, folks.
2: Are either one of these any good? Do, do you
3: like scary movies? I don't like movies. I have to return some
2: videotapes.
1: You have a TV? No. I just like to read the TV guide. Read the TV guide? I don't need a TV. Books, records, films, these things matter. Call me Shell. It's the fucking truth. Over 1,600 titles, each for rent at just $2 the first night. And only... Finish
4: it. I don't watch TV. Yeah, but you are aware that there's an invention called television, and on this invention they show shows, right? Now. Watch a few movies, take a few notes. Okay. On channels 18, 24, 6, 8, 9, 8, 7, and weather
2: Welcome to the Frog Brothers Podcast
4: with your hosts Justin and Alan.
2: This summer of Santa Carla, tonight we're going to celebrate the 35th anniversary of one of our favorite films ever made. We are the Frog Bros Podcast. My name is Justin. I'm Alec. And out in the crowd, we have our buddy Daniel with the Midnight Movie Trash Show. So make sure you check us out online and check out his show too. So tonight we have Jason Patrick coming out for us. But we got a few things to announce before. He's on his way, folks. So the 35th anniversary 4K Blu-ray set drops September 20th. If you want the best edition you can find online, Zavie.com has it. It's a whole special collector set. If you just want the steel book, check out BestBuy.com for that. And then the regular, everyday, run-of-the-mill online shops have the uh, 35th anniversary art available for that. So, we're going to give it just a second, and Jason will be right here with us.
1: One. Back up.
2: <laughs> he was on his way.
1: Okay, okay, okay. More Okay.
2: Give the biggest round of applause to Jason Patrick. Make him feel welcome to Texas. Good evening, sir. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for joining us tonight. Thanks for taking your time today and signing so much for everyone out there and making yourself available.
3: How's the day been going? You having fun? Yeah, I'm having a good time seeing everybody and seeing some of these guys I haven't seen in a long time, so it's nice. That's awesome.
2: Well, I think uh, everyone here knows you and probably loves you for uh, one of our favorite films ever. I know it's one of mine. We named our podcast after it for crying out loud. Um, Alec, jump in here for us. Uh,
5: So, first question I have and he wrote a different question first, and I'm going to let him ask that one. Is uh, how did it be how did it feel to become a teenage heartthrob? How did that change your life?
3: <laughs> oh, we can't talk about that right now. I, <laughs> no, but you know things are a lot different back then. There was no internet. There wasn't any of that kind of stuff. So, unless you really played into that. Um, And I didn't. I mean, the next movie I made after this was, you know, I cut my hair off and played a Russian tank soldier. So I didn't make those teen-type movies. Yeah. Um, So I I never really felt that. I mean, there were some fringe benefits along the way. But, uh, you know, for the most part, this movie's grown in that sense over the years. Because a lot of people don't know when it came out, it wasn't a massive hit in the movie theaters. It was, you know, a sizable hit. But it was massive on... VHS and all that.
5: Yes, for sure. I Personally, I it's one of those movies I don't remember watching for the first time, because I've just always watched it my entire life. I don't know what that is like, to watch it for the first time. It's just kind of always been with me. So, um, What do you think the most challenging part of the, the shoot was, if you can remember that far back now?
3: Um... You know, we're 19 to 20 years old. You should be able to do pretty much anything at that age. You know, it's not that hard. Right. Um, but I think one of the best things about the movies all the effects that you see, all the makeup effects, all the visual effects, they're all done in camera. They're real. They're none of that CGI, you know, crap mm-hmm. that... You know, CGI and the computer-generated stuff, initially, was to help things that you couldn't get around the story that you wanted. Now stories are just made around the CGI. Yeah. And so, you know, we had to come up with interesting ways to do the flying and to do the falling off the bridge, the trestle, all that stuff. And so that stuff was physically demanding. Yeah. You know, when I'm in the room when I, you know, start floating and all that stuff, that was that was tough stuff to do, because you're on wires, you're on different rigs to make it work, and it's cut together to look like you're floating, but, the, but it's not easy, that stuff.
5: Yeah, well, that's a good answer. Um, do you have a favorite quote from the movie?
3: A favorite quote? You know, everyone has better quotes than I do. You know, um, <laughs> Uh, so I, you know, I don't know. I mean, a lot of the people that have come, they asked me to sign something. Your favorite quote, and I don't remember much of it. You know? What's your favorite quote?
5: I'd say, at least your character's favorite quote is probably the one um, about stuffing the widow Johnson.
3: All oh, right, that is. Really cool. <laughs> I forgot about that. Solid. I think when Corey says you're a goddamn shit sucking vampire, when Mom finds out, it's a pretty good quote. Yeah,
5: <laughs> solid. Um. What projects uh, do you have to release in the future? Are you excited about anything you have coming up?
3: Uh, yeah, I just, uh, I, I just did this, this sort of action movie called Shrapnel uh, in March, and then I'm you know, probably doing something in November. Um, so that's pretty much it. I try to take the summer off. I'm a dad, I got a 12-year-old, so yeah. when I can't take time
2: off, I do. That's awesome. Um, yeah alright, Billy's not out here to defend himself tonight, but who was better at driving the dirt bike on the set? You or Billy? Um,
3: I'd never ridden a motorcycle all those other guys did I can tell you the story that um, so the stuntman, a guy named Gary Davis who's a famous stuntman and a very good motorcycle guy um, I went up to his house and for a week just sort of learned how to ride because I hadn't ridden at all And Kiefer was Mr. Motorcycle. Um, But on the very first day of filming that we were there, uh, it was at nighttime, and I had not worked with Kiefer yet, but he was on his motorcycle, and he was riding up and down, buzzing really fast, trying to do wheelies, trying to impress some girl on the set, completely wiped out, and actually broke his hand on that first day. So that's that's why his character wears gloves because one of his hands was in a splint most of the movie because they had to put him in a splint right away. So Gary Davis, the great stunt coordinator said, Jason was the better motorcycle rider. Now, as far as
2: Billy goes, I don't know, but since he's not here, I'm gonna say I'm absolutely better than he was. That's the answer I was expecting. Yeah. So we got uh, Daniel out in the crowd. He's gonna take some crowd questions for us, but while we're at, we wanna do a shout out to all the platinum past purchasers we couldn't have put on a show this amazing without your support and thanks to every single person out here that came out and bought a ticket for this and is out here supporting this and bringing that love of horror and carrying that on with the younger generation i've seen so many kids and families here tonight it's absolutely incredible awesome that's what we love you gotta pass these down to the family daniel you want to take one for us yes jason let me ask you
0: like this right now her first time seeing it. How does it feel for your film to cross generations?
3: Well, you know, I haven't, I didn't really do a lot of these cons before but a few years ago someone came up to me and I talked to Kiefer because we're always so busy and we're good friends. About 10 years ago we were on Broadway so we spent a lot of time together but someone came up to me and said hey man this might be a good way we can hang out for a weekend and have a few drinks, meet some people and have some fun. So we started with that But when you meet these people, you realize this this movie, almost more than any other movie, has this real transgenerational quality. I mean, I've met so many people, um, even today, that, that met as teenagers watching this VHS, had their first kiss, they're married now. I've been at other cons where people propose to each other in front of me. They all pass this down to their kids. And I think because it's a movie about belonging, it's a movie about you know when you're a teenager, uh, alienation, wanting to be something, all that. And so it really affected people. And because it was on VHS, people watch it over and over and over and over again. And they passed it down and down. So I think it's a great thing that it's the first time. I also think it's a great thing that everybody's here, because it's important to see movies the way they were meant to be made, which is here, not on your phone. This is the way you're supposed to watch a movie.
2: With your friends, your family, on the biggest screen you could possibly find. And you're also
3: supposed to watch it with strangers. You're supposed to go into, the idea of a movie going into a dark movie house that you're willingly going into sit with strangers, hoping to laugh and cry with strangers. That's why you go into a movie. And in today's day, when people don't even say hello walking down the street, that communal idea is still very important.
2: Absolutely. In theaters, some of the most magical experiences I've ever had is going to the theater. And I've been going to the theater obsessively since I was a kid. Is just that moment at the end where people like break out into applause. Yeah. Because that doesn't happen all the time. So you go on those opening nights and it's just magical to see everybody there. People bringing their families, their friends, and then that row next to you. And you, you make a friend when you go to the movie. Oh, sure. Because you're going to talk to somebody next to you, talk about the preview, or talk about the movie at the end. Because there's just so much excitement about it.
3: It's a communal thing, and, it, and it's important, and we've lost that because everybody's on their phones and their gadgets, so all I would say is that anytime you can take advantage of going to a movie with your family or with strangers, go. And it's a perfect example, and if you're going to see it for the first time on the screen, you're ahead of 99% of the people that have ever seen the movie, so God bless you.
2: All right, Daniel, let's take some crowd questions out here. We've got a great group out here, and so uh, track some down.
1: Go down here!
2: And if you could, if you have a question up close, make sure you step back a little bit. We don't want to get too much feedback out there, so let's be careful of that.
4: Hi, so uh, I love Halloween. I'm obsessed with it, and uh, I've had a lot of friends, myself included, do cosplay and dress up. What is your go-to Halloween costume? Have you been yourself for Halloween?
3: I usually go as Michael from the Lost Boys. No, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you funny stories that uh, my son loves Halloween. He's 12. This is his favorite holiday. And I guess maybe about three years ago, I showed him the movie. I don't watch my own movies, but kids at school told him that your dad's in that movie. And he said, yeah, yeah I was. So, so we put it on and we watched it. And so a couple of years ago, he dressed as a frog brother. I had to find all this kind of stuff, put stuff on him, you know. We had to... Whittle steaks in the backyard, do the whole thing. And then he says to me, um, I said, yeah, I would like, so you look great. And uh, he says, I got an idea. I'll be a frog brother and you can go as Michael. And I said, I think you got to get a, a lot younger, a lot better looking guy to go as Michael. And he said, dad. And then wait, he said, I think you're right. <laughs> oh, that's brutal. Yeah. So I took it, but uh, I, I, I dress up. If, if I, I'll wear a mask, if anything, just to whip them
2: around places. Awesome. So uh, who's next?
1: Oh, you want me to ask? Her? I'll ask your question, damn it. Um, do you actually know how many times they say your name in the
3: movie? The only reason I would know this is that people come up to me and say something. But I think it's a... Uh... Come
4: on, it's a drinking game. you your go. Come on. Yeah. How many, how many I'm
3: days? gonna take a shot. I know it's over 100. 100,
4: 118. Good, yes, Is yes. that right? Yes, it's 118. Look well,
2: like at that. I you get a prize boy. for that. I think you get a prize for that. Let's give him some stickers. Yeah, get him another beer, and there's some stickers for you. <laughs> it's not much, but it's honest work.
4: <laughs>
2: All right, let's take some more questions. What do we got?
3: Okay, I told you this earlier whenever I met you, that Speed 2 was my favorite movie when I was a kid. You are singular. I know, that's what you said.
5: Um, do you have any funny, fun stories from filming that movie?
3: You know, I, I'll, I'll say the, the entire movie was fun. We were in the Caribbean for four or five months. But it was incredibly taxing because uh, you know, without being Tom Cruise-ish, I d- had to do all the, I did all that stunt stuff in the water is really difficult to do, um, being pulled and all that other kind of stuff. But I actually enjoyed it, and Sandy was was lovely and, and funny. I mean, it's certainly not my my, my favorite movie, but um, I mean, it's no worse than twenty other movies that came out that year. But um, you know, sometimes it's about your life experience at the time, and and that, and that was a good one.
5: Yeah, I'm just gonna jump in and say I love Speed Two Cruise Control, and if you haven't seen it, go check it out tonight. After the, screening, After the screening, of course, but it'd make a good double feature, I think. Oh yeah, let's ask you: Do you have any memorabilia from the movie steal any 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 uh, props left over?
3: You know, I actually I, I I took the glasses and the leather jacket, and then I stupidly gave them away. <laughs> I literally had a friend who wanted a jacket and I said, well, you can take this one. I looked in, in, the, in, the, uh, uh, in the closet and I realized now, 35 years later, with the insanity of memorabilia
5: everywhere, I think they're probably worth something. But uh, they're gone. So uh, <laughs> Do we have any more questions in the audience? Just raise your hand if you're out in the back. And... Any favorite
4: uh, memories from the set?
5: You know,
3: I, I spent a lot of time um, with Corey before we started filming um, because I wanted to really establish that uh, fraternal relationship so you believe that these guys are brothers. Um, because uh, what I'll say is, the, and, and I've said in interviews before, I turned that movie down many, many times, and I was an actor with no jobs or money, but... I just, I didn't want to do it, I didn't want to do, the script itself was not what the movie you see, it was just, I mean, it just didn't feel like being in a teen vampire movie, but Joel was very, very, very persistent. And then he got all these great actors, and great, you know, um, cinematographer and everything, and so I decided to do it, but I felt that I really needed to spend a lot of time with Corey to get that feeling, so as you see in the movie, there's a physicality to those guys that, that's not in the script, but you believe they're brothers. And there's little quips and asides and all that kind of time because you believe they're brothers. So before we started, he'd come over and I'd play ball with him, play wiffle ball, you know, keep him in line, things like that, so that was a good thing. And I feel bad that he sort of lost his way after that. But those relationships and, and, and the fun, I mean, the other guys, Talk about partying and all that. I didn't do that like those guys did because I felt I had a, everybody in the movie can play their own. and you know, Kiefer can be interesting and sexy, and, and Corey can be funny, and everyone can do this and everyone do that. But I felt that you're not going to believe that movie if Michael is not the the reality point. And balancing everybody, you have to see this guy balancing the supernatural aspect of it, the family aspect of it, the confusion, and so to me it was it was hard, it was work. And I would say Joel gave me a lot, a lot of freedom for a 19-year-old to you know write dialogue or have discussions uh, about about the script, which you know people didn't have that back in 1986.
5: Oh, look who it is. guys! Alan Frank sure. himself and Dwayne. Some more
3: fans showed up. Wow.
5: It is Jameson Newlander and Billy Worth, ladies and gentlemen.
2: Oh, my gosh, it's Jita Mack. Welcome, everybody. I appreciate you coming out here. This party just got wild, didn't it? It did. So we're going to jump in here. So, Jameson, we got one for you. So you were telling me the other day that... Jason here was such a great big brother to you on set. He was just talking about how you did, uh, you guys had that bond. But he was just telling us how about the how, the bond he made with Corey when they were shooting. So do you want to tell us about like that bond and like what it meant to you for him to help you out on set?
0: No, man. If you had that with Corey, that's cool. No, <laughs> no. I uh, the thing is that I I was I was uh, this was my first really big movie and also first time really working with people who I, I recognized, who I who I knew, and, you know, it can be intimidating, and I, I you know, I, I tried to be as cool and confident, you guys might, maybe you didn't even think I was nervous, because I was I played it off so well, but the thing is that it's one thing for actors on the set to be, like, you know, kind to you or whatever, but, you know, the we were the younger kids, and... You know, Jason was just really cool. I mean, you know, I, maybe I overplayed it as like the Big Brother thing because it was not like we had. You know, of course, you and him had that thing, and of course, Schumacher was like, you had real time to build that, and it was beautiful. You know, um, but it's just that I felt really like taken care of by the by the actors who were. You know, felt to me like they knew what they were doing. You know, it was all awesome. so it was nice. Yeah. You know, welcome,
5: it. So, Billy, a few minutes ago, Jason. Had an interesting thing to say about dirt biking in that he described himself as a better dirt biker than you.
4: Ah, oh, really? Well, he might have been. I, I, I didn't get to see him ride too much on, on the on the thing, but but uh, set me then. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but we had a lot. They knew what they were doing, you know, is all. Awesome, so Jason was definitely uh, a better actor than I was. He's I mean, seasoned, more seasoned actor, and it was just such a you know great first movie for myself, like I said last night, I, I didn't have a lot of dialogue, and I just just was around really talented actors who, who I didn't really even have an understanding of the craft at that point in my career. But uh, just, to, you know, Jason, I know, was pretty seasoned at that young age, and so was Corey Haim. I mean, you know, these guys have been in big movies before, and Kiefer, and, you know, all the experience that, that I was able to, uh, garnered from being in a film with such talent. It was a great honor, and, uh, and the, the story continues. But it's good to be here, and love all you guys.
5: That's awesome. Good to hear uh, So, G, you have yes, a uh, Lost Boys story, the musical. You
1: yeah. have CDs of all the music
5: available at your booth.
1: Well, I don't, if they were CDs in today's. World don't really yes. mean anything. <laughs> Other than it's a nice little prop to be able to sign. I still I still finals. Skills. By the way, obviously we all know that has. They knew what they were doing.
0: You know, is all. So it was nice. welcome. So Billy, a few minutes ago,
5: Jason had an interesting thing to say. They
0: knew what they were doing. You know, is all. So it was nice. You're welcome.
5: So. Billy, a few minutes ago, Jason had an interesting thing to say about dirt biking. In that he described himself as a better dirt biker than you.
4: Oh, really? Well, he might have been. I, I, I didn't get to see him ride too much on the, on the thing, but but uh, yeah. Well, but we had a lot of fun riding. But Jason was definitely. Uh, Better actor than I was. I mean, a seasoned, more seasoned actor, and it was just such a, you know, great first movie for myself. Like I said last night, I, I didn't have a lot of dialogue, and I just, just was around really talented actors who, who I didn't really even have a understanding of the craft at that point in my career. But uh, just you know, Jason, I know was pretty seasoned at that young age, and so was Corey Haim. I mean, you know, these guys have been in big movies before, and Kiefer, and, you know, all the experience that, that I was able to uh, garner from being in a film with such talent, it was a great honor, and, uh, and the, the story continues, but it's good to be here, and love all you guys.
5: That's awesome, good to hear. Uh, so, G, you have yes, a uh, Lost Boys story, the musical, you yes. have CDs of all the music available at your booth.
1: Well, I don't, if they were, CDs in today's world don't really yes. mean anything, <laughs> other than it's a nice little prop to be able to sign. I still buy CDs. Vinyls, by the way, obviously we all know, that has validity to it. And we'll have, we'll have that. But we're not here to talk about my musical.
5: Do you have any? But we can. I was just going to ask <laughs> one more question about it. Do you have any
1: uh, tentative release for a vinyl for that? The vinyl is going to come sometime before the end of this year. choose you know, it, it, yeah. it probably is a Christmas time. Well, that's perfect. Piece of product. We need to buy each other. Uh,
5: that's
2: right. Yeah, vinyl for Christmas. Vinyl
1: <laughs> Christmas presents for all.
2: <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing that on vinyl. And uh, I think that's just something to worth it to mention here is that G has been working on this amazing musical. My personal favorite song from it is. The Frog Bros hero music, but that's just me. Wait, I, mean, I might be host, biased.
0: You host the Frog uh,
2: Bros podcast, so you're I mean, it, you know. it's just got something to do with that, maybe. Have <laughs> you heard Death by Stereo?
4: Yeah, that's also. It's a awesome. good song too.
2: The whole the whole soundtrack is available wherever you stream music. So I would highly suggest turning that on, streaming it on your way home tonight.
1: On your way home to watch the Yeah, there's some funky Speed stuff on there, and Frog Bro Hero is probably one of the most fun songs I've ever written. And Death by Stereo is—it's its own thing, but it all works within the, you know, the big package of how this musical is taken shape. And um, probably would have been out by now, but a little thing called a pandemic happened and um, spooked us all out. So anyway, um, yeah, this stuff takes time, and it's never. Um, I, I've, I've said this once before, Jason understands this world, and I've, you know, been in the world of studying theatrical music, and, you know, thanks to Stephen Sondheim getting me with a good teacher back in the day to learn how to write the actual book and how it, what it all meant. And, um, yeah, so... Music video? Yeah. Nobody's ever seen That's a trick question, isn't it? Because
2: that's finally coming out part of the 35th anniversary collection is the music video is finally launched so can you tell us about that real quick well
1: yeah real quick it was about back in the day when they released the sound atlantic records was the um label that released lost boys and where warner brothers had a relationship with them and the, the deal was atlantic records wanted to have one of their artists sing my song vital sister and those artists were and they auditioned Phil Collins, Steve Perry, and about five others, and um, Atlantic Records wanted to hear in it. you know you said, "Listen, I will gladly listen to everything, but um, the, this is the voice this is the voice in the narrator of this film, and this is why this, his voice matters. Atlantic Records wanted to produce the film was they were both on they were both on the same page about it. And um, I really didn't care. At that point, I was happy living in New York in my, you know, flying to LA every once in a while to do work on movies and stuff like that. And um, But it was just one of those things that um, he just said, no, instinctively, this, your voice is carrying the film. And I said, oh, great. And so, but but Atlantic didn't want to do a video on it because they. I wasn't on their label and they were trying to promote, you know, Atlantic Records wanted to. And so Warner's got in touch with me and they said, did you ever do a video to Cry Little Sister? This is for the the 4K that's coming out next month. The Ultra HD 4K. And um, I said, we had a chat and I said, well, I want to be, I certainly, do you have a vision? I said, of course I do. And one of the things before Joe, Schumacher, Rest His Soul, passed on. He said, please get that video made. And he said, I trust every, I trust your sensibilities about this. So Atlantic Records wanted to have one of their artists sing my song, "Vital Sister. And those artists were, and they auditioned, Phil Collins, Steve Perry, and about five others. And um, Joel was not, and also, have an equal parts with the song and the film. So you'll be, this is, the, Warner Brothers gave us permission to put this up tonight, because they didn't want it to be seen before the HD comes, uh, before they do all the cross promotion stuff with the song and video. So you will be able to view this tonight, and this will be my first time seeing it on a big screen. So, <laughs> it's scary. All
2: Sorry, right, but, thank you, G. I appreciate that. So we've got a few more <laughs> minutes left here. Um, and we're gonna take just a couple more crowd questions. So Daniel, can you uh, jump out there in the back rows and see uh, who might have a question for us? We got two more out here and there in the crowd and then we're gonna to try to wind this thing down so everyone can watch this film on the big screen out here.
4: I have a question for the entire cast. What was Santa Cruz like in the 1980s?
2: What was Santa Cruz like in the 1980s?
0: Santa Cruz had a lot of hippies, like actual hippies, uh, communities, right? Uh, that's you know um, that left, really left over ones. Yeah, leftover ones from the 60s, it, it, and it, it was like literally uh, communities that really looked like you might imagine hippies in the 60s, like colorful clothing. Am I right? Yeah.
2: Yeah, I feel like the beginning of the movie really kind of sets that tone. It's very authentic. Worth th- those opening shots where they're just kind of going around down. Right, yeah,
0: and that was real. And, and then my our parents, the Frog
2: Brother parents, were were local. Uh, local. They look babies. like deadheads. They I mean, work. they're basically asleep in the in the shop.
0: Yeah, and Schumacher, I remember him explaining that he's because like, he had to come up with the reason why we're running the shop, you know. So he was like, I got these guys, <laughs> these, local, these local, guys, and they're going to be just asleep in the background, <laughs> and it works. Like you know, that's what you see.
2: It's great. So that's what I that's what I noticed. All right, we'll take one more question from the crowd, and then we're going to wrap this thing up.
0: Was there any meaning to the panning of Jim Morrison every time you guys went into the Vampire Cave? Like it always had a shot of Jim Morrison
2: in the back. So they're talking about the Jim Morrison shot, the painting down in the cave. It's a very famous scene. So it was like, I believe you're asking about like the overall feeling of that or the intention behind that.
4: I guess he was a, you know, iconic, kind of anti-hero rock star, and it feels like it was part of the vibe of the Lost Boys. We would look up to the Doors kind of music, and and then Jason, you know, he's got a resemblance, I think, to Jim, and it was kind of cool, but...
2: I feel that's very authentic to that, right? You know, you get that big Doors poster in there, you see Jim on it, and that really kind of sells that kind of counterculture that carried over down into those vampires. They're just lost souls, and they carry over with that. So I think that really kind of sets the tone there. Um, and obviously, you yeah, know... And
3: Billy's right about that, that- you know their connection to that but that's a testament to Joel too. There's never something in the script that says we will now cut to Michael who looks like Jim Morrison No. There was a, we had a great production designer named Bo Welch who made that cage yeah, sure. who made that cave and he decided to put a, a massive Morrison thing up there we did that scene and then Joel said Jason looks a little like Jim Morrison. So you know and then him and the editor put that together and you know That movie is shot by the great, late Michael Chapman. And Michael Chapman shot Raging Bull, shot Taxi Driver, was the operator in Jaws. You don't get a cinematographer like that in a teen vampire movie. (laughs) That's why it looks phenomenal and it still lasts. I actually always take offense when people say, campy 80s movie. No, Fright Night is a campy 80s
1: movie.
3: With a lot of cheap. When you watch it right here, I want you to watch when they go into the store with the Frog Brothers, how it's lit, the long dollies, and how that scene works because you got these two guys coming in and how they follow Corey. Look at all the colors, how he lights the comics, and, and it's not what you see today. Quick cuts. Three seconds, three seconds, three seconds, three... No, because it's the guy who shot friggin' Raging Bull, that's why. And that's why the movie lasts, you know, 35 years later. So watch that tonight, watch the cinematography, watch how there is a patience to the movie, and watch that you do not see a vampire for 45 minutes in a vampire movie. That would never happen today. You get the feeling of a vampire, you get the horror of a vampire, you get the tension of a vampire, but you never see a vampire until these guys have that, you know, eating fest. And that would never happen today. So there's a patience, there's an understanding, and you will have patience if you believe in the characters, and you follow the characters. And Joel enabled you and all the great people to follow these guys so you wanted to see them, you wanted to see them, and built that tension. And that doesn't happen in movies anymore.
2: Amen. Amen. I was going to say, let's end on that, because we're not going to top that. Thank you very much, Jason Patrick, Jamison Newlander, Billy Worth, and G. Tom Mack. Thank you. Round of applause. And thanks everyone in the crowd for making this movie last. Have a great night, everybody, and Thank enjoy you. the film.